Midlife Moxie. We are a community and podcast all about midlife women making this one of the best seasons of their lives. Well, I'm one of your hosts, Gail. And I'm Christina. We're going to be sharing our stories, struggles, and joys while bringing you experts on topics that you care about. And we're going to do it while having a whole lot of fun. So buckle up, girls. Let's get our moxie on. Well, hey, Christina, man, I am so stoked about this conversation today. How about you? I am too. I'm very excited. You know, it's uh, it's really cool that we get an opportunity to talk with people all over the world and just kind of hit on some things that, you know, don't necessarily happen in the U.S. and and just get an understanding of of, you know, other people in other parts of the world. And I'm, I'm very excited about this, Gail. Very excited. You know, when we understand other people, their plights, their situations, I think we understand ourselves better. And I think we're better. We're better members of this society, of this world, this planet that we live on. And this is a departure for us. We've talked out of country before, but we've never gone this far. We're going all the way to <laughs> Italy today. And yeah. we are going to be talking to a lady who recently escaped to the Ukraine. And I know this has been top of mind for a lot of us as we watch this unfold. And for many of us who are in midlife, our our focus has not been on that part of the world since we were very young when it was the USSR. And, you know, we were, I remember being, you know, in high school and younger being frightened of the Soviets and all that kind of thing. But that calmed down for a very long time. And we were able to not think about that part of the world. And now here we are again with this uprising and this this just war, this invasion. So I want to welcome Anastasia, and y'all be patient with me, Vlada Chinska. Did I get it right, Anastasia? Yeah, it's good. She's coming to us from Italy today, but she escaped as the bombing began. And so we're going to have her tell her story as a woman What's that like to live in a war-torn area, to flee? Um, so welcome, Anastasia. And we are so grateful that you are telling your story and you've taken the time. Um, and you're really telling this human side of the story. So tell us about the events leading up. Were Have you lived in fear of this for a while? Was this something that Ukrainians had to always be thinking about? Yeah. Hi, Gail and Christina. So thank you for inviting me and for bringing this um, topic up. I know it's everywhere now, but it's a different perspective. As you, as you said, when you hear it from somebody, you know, somebody real and the real story. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think there is, uh, there are several huge misconceptions about what's going on in Ukraine now. And one of them is that, um, that we were the country that was kind of ready for the war or that we used to have wars, which is, you know, not true because the last time I heard about war was from my grandma, you know, all those horror stories. It was just from my grandma. And then, um, and then, uh, we did have, um, Russian invasion of Crimea in Crimea and in Eastern part of Ukraine. So there was a war in there. However, as, you know, as bad as it sounds, but we got used to it because it was just that conflict mm. over there 
in the eastern part. Now, for the for the rest of the Ukraine, it wasn't. We, we didn't. We didn't feel it. We didn't feel it. We were working. I used to own a very successful agency, and uh, we didn't like. We we never thought it would escalate so much. Never and like. No, okay. We were just living our usual lives, like you know, avocado in the avocado toast in the morning, French press coffee in the morning, driving. My friends drive, you know, BMWs, uh, Mercedes. So it's Tesla cars. So it's not like you know we were having wars all the time, and here is just another war coming in. No, it was very abrupt and blunt. Yeah. Mm. So, so like what I hear you saying is that you've never, for yourself, you never experienced this, but your grandmother had, right? Okay. Okay. So as the, as it, the talk begins, as, as this becomes apparent that they are going to invade, did you think it was real? Did you think it would really happen? Or you're like, oh, it'll be okay. That's the thing. Nobody believed it. No, no, wait. nobody believed oh, wow. it would be so massive. We were, th- of course, we had that all that um, intelligence and all of that, but in the data from the U.S. But um, we all thought that it would still be the invasion in Eastern part, and again, we we had been used to it. But nobody would ever like. I was on a business trip, and this happened. Okay. So it wasn't like we were expecting it at all. Hmm. Wow. So, yeah, so unexpected. And did you feel like, okay, whoa, like, where do I go? What do I do? Because when it's unexpected and you don't have a plan of action, I kind of feel like you're, you're going, okay, what's the most important thing that I need to grab and where do I go? So what, what was well, like, when did like? you even know to yeah, go? Like, yeah. what was your first feeling mm-hmm. that I'm going to have to flee for my safety? Hmm. Yeah. It's funny how your mind plays tricks with you um, in those major stress situations. I remember seeing my friend, what, like two days before the war and we were walking. She was, she was, she was due like the same week. Okay. She was pregnant. She was due the same oh, week. Oh, wow. Yes. And she's a very close friend of mine. So we went for a walk in the park, a beautiful park in Kiev. And we were talking. I was like, do you guys have any plans? She said, well, we did. We kind of looked at where the closest uh, bomb shelter is, but that's it. So, so just imagine, mm. you no, know, even her being pregnant and, you know, expecting a baby that same week, she didn't, she didn't, none of us had this idea that this would be really happening. Okay. So, um, so when the war started, I was on a business trip. I was in my hotel, beautiful hotel. I woke up in the morning from explosions at six, it was either at six or 5.00 AM. And first I thought it was fireworks because uh, like, imagine Mm. you wake up from explosions in the morning. What would you think? You would never think it would be a war. You would, you like, right. you know, right. what, like, even though we're talking, century? yeah, yeah, right. You'd be wow. like 21st wow. century medal of Europe. No, you wouldn't even believe this. So I thought it was fireworks, but then I was like, okay. But before those 
fireworks, I could hear um, the roaring sounds of airplanes and there were many of them. So then it connected. And then, and then my dad called, he said, Anastasia, the war has started. And I was like, okay, but I need to do, to go and do the workshop. <laughs> like I was all prepared to do the workshop for my client. Okay. And I teach customer experience. Wow. It was a huge, so is this the first, yeah, go ahead. Is this the first day that there was actual bombing? It was the first day of bombing. Yes. Oh my gosh. So were you able to leave that day or did you, were, were you still kind of processing? Cause it sounds to me like you were still kind of processing like, okay, wait, it's really not that bad. You were trying to rationalize with yourself because you were going to go do a workshop. Yeah. Like that to me says, okay, my brain hasn't fully, like, I understand that there's bombs going on. Um, but I still have this responsibility. And so you're kind of going back and forth, like, it'll be okay. True, true, <laughs> right? true, I, mean, I'm not, true. I'm, I don't mean to laugh, but it's like, it's one of those things that your brain plays tricks on you. Yeah. That's what I said. And it's I, very weird. Wow. So, so did you leave that day? So that day, when your dad I, called, I, me and my colleague, we got into a car into my, into her car and we drove all the way to Western part of Ukraine, which is safer. Okay. So we drove there and we stayed there for, I think a week, but she needed to go back to Kiev mm -hmm. and to take her son because her son is 14 years old and he was staying in Kiev when she was on the business trip. Okay. All by himself. in the Okay. Ukraine. Were so you in Kiev? Were you yeah. in Kiev when this happened? No. Is was that where in, you were when this happened? No, the city is called Lutsk. It's kind of between uh, Kiev and western part of Ukraine, somewhere in the middle. Okay. So, yeah. Anastasia, are you married? I am, yes. Are you? And so what was going on with your husband at this time? He was, <laughs> it was even worse because he was in the eastern part of Ukraine. He was on a, on a trip there. So... It was, I thought I'd, you know, I would get some more gray hairs before he um, comes to the, before he drives to the Western part of Ukraine because his chains were canceled, um, you know, and then he, uh, our plan was that if something happens, our car would stay in Kiev because we live in Kiev. So the plan was that I would leave, that's why I was driving my colleague's car because we were like, okay, if something happens, then just leave one car full with gas mm. in Kiev. So that when he drives from, when he gets on a train, because he couldn't drive from there, on a train from Eastern Ukraine, he could, you know, take the car and drive to Eastern, to, I'm sorry, to Western part of Ukraine, which is safer. So yeah, I was waiting for him and it took him, usually it takes you five hours to drive from Kiev to Western part. It took him 16 hours instead of five. Oh wow. my gosh. Yeah. And you're so waiting you for him. Some, yeah. And you guys had some sort of plan, but not like a really solidified plan. Like, okay, like this is, this is what we're doing. It was just like, okay, keep a car here. Or did that, that plan deal. just develop along the way? Yeah. But still, you know, it was just funny because when he got into Kiev from Eastern part, he was like, okay, 
what do I pack? Tell me what do you need? You know, what do I pack? Mm. And sitting here now in Italy, I'm like, okay, that was the whole list of things that he could have taken for me. But we didn't think this way. I was like, well, really nothing. Because we were sure they would just be staying in, in, in the West for, let's just say, a week or two, and then we will go back home. Okay. So even when he left, like he left the soup in the refrigerator. Cause we didn't <laughs> even think, yeah. yeah, I'm thinking about that soup all the time. That's probably, you know, <laughs> <laughs> Oh my God. I'm okay to go back so, because so of how, that soup. So how is your, how is your home right now? Like, is your home still standing? Like what it does is. that look Thanks, like? Yeah. Thanks God it is. But so many of my friends who are from, you probably saw yesterday, those horrible pictures from Bucha and Irpin. So friends from there, like my therapist, his new apartment is completely bombed. He doesn't have a place to go back to. Wow. Yes. And that also, even if your home, even if your home is still standing, are the roads passable? Like, if this ended today, what would you be going back to? Yeah. Yeah. It depends on the city. So for example, today in Italy, I was doing some documentation work and I met at the immigration office and I met, um, a family from Mariupol and you've probably heard that this city is, you know, 90% of the city is destroyed. So to them, I really don't know for us people in Kiev, at least from what I've heard from some acquaintances, they're actually going back to the city because some businesses are starting to reopen. And, um, but again, you would okay. hear the sirens all the time, all the time. So it's not like you're, you know, going back to a safe place. And they said that they could drive. I was going to just ask that. Yeah. So they could drive, but it took them forever because you can't use the main highway. You have to be using the, you know, the village roads to get into them, into the city. So what what about about your parents? Yeah. What about, what about your parents? Family. Because your dad called you that, yeah, that morning. Now, do they live in Ukraine as well? Do they yeah, they're in Ukraine. Tell us a little bit about that. They're in Ukraine in western part, and which is supposed to be safer. But like yesterday, they bombed the western part, so you never know what's safe now. And um, my mom doesn't want to leave, and that's the case with all older people. They just don't want to leave. Mm. And again, I don't know if that's being attached to your place, or is it again your mind playing tricks on you? telling you everything is fine. You don't have to go. Everything is normal, you know, because it isn't normal. If you're like, my mom would sleep in the bathroom for five hours at night because the sirens go off. When they go off, you have to hide either in the basement or in the bathroom. And she's in in an apartment building. So she goes to the bathroom and then sometimes you, the siren will be for 30 minutes, but sometimes it's for five hours. So Eventually, she just, you know, grabbed her mattress and put it in the bathroom and slept there because you can't be sitting just like that for the whole night, right? So it is not safe either. Mm -hmm. So has your mom lived through war before? No, no. It's only our grandparents. 
only and they were oh, little wow. when the war was the last war was there they were little kids so no so only no. they remember it wow well what is it like like financially like are you able to get to money are you able to conduct any kind of business yeah, how does that work so again, it depends. I personally did not because I had a business. I have you know my business still going. My business still going on. That's a funny phrase though. But <laughs> I'm doing some yeah. webinars now. Uh, I'm doing some webinars now. And what I was trying to say is that the mo- the, the money that is processed uh, for that for for those webinars. Um, I'm collecting it for my girlfriends and I'll tell a whole story about that later, but it goes through Ukrainian bank still so that I did it intentionally so that I still could pay taxes in Ukraine, you know, so that they can get some money for, for the economy. Okay. So, um, yes, we can get, unless you had your money in a very Russian bank, <laughs> very Russian. I okay. mean, it wasn't mm-hmm. just, you know, headquartered in Russia and then it would have a totally different legal entity in Ukraine. No, but like Russian, Russian was Russian owners. Um, you would still have access to your money. It depends again. You said something there that I found very interesting compared to an American mindset. You said, I wanted to keep my money flowing through the Ukraine so that the taxes collected could help the country. And that is such a, that is something you would never mm. hear anyone here say. Um, Cause we're always trying to never. pay the least <laughs> amount of taxes, get by the least. And that just patriotism and that you live in a country where you can see the taxes help the country because here there's so much distance between the collection of the money. And when you get benefit from the money, we kind of lose sight Mm -hmm. of that. So I think that is a beautiful picture of loyalty, of patriotism, of really thinking carefully about the decisions that you make that matter so much at a time like this. So, yeah, you definitely have a love for country. And I think that's pretty cool. I don't want you to think that it's like all, you know, pink fog over there, all fuzzy and and sweet uh, in terms of taxes. Of course, of course, there are people who would like to, you know, pay as less as possible. But, um, but I think, and, and, and I had some friends who would be like that, but before the war. Now, when you see this unfairness, right? in your country when somebody just comes in and does things to like rapes mm. your country that's the best analogy okay then you're like okay but mm. i want my country to rebuild, rebuild itself and then i guess the other thing here is that right. we are trusting we are finally trusting our government that has never ever happened before seriously mm. never tell ever, us about ever. tell us about that Tell us why, why, why is that? Why have you guys never trusted and now the tides have turned? What, what is that? It was corruption all the time, even though Ukraine has been independent for what, 30, since 1991. So it's not that Mm -hmm. long, right? But so we would. Well, I think it's long. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's not long for, for countries like, like the U.S., you know. Sure. Yeah. So, yeah. And uh, we would always have pro-Russian government, pro-Russian. That's why that's why Russians Mm. are so, you know, angry with us right now that we are finally stopping to 
be dependent on them. And, uh, yeah, and, and it's just that there wasn't any trust. Government, the government has never done anything for you, for, for, for people. And this year, it was like even now at work, and, you know, I teach service, so I'm like all about service. This year, even during the war, they pay you the money. They pay the money for entrepreneurs. It's about, it's not that much. It's about $300. But still, they pay you the money for small businesses for entrepreneurs, so that you could reopen your business now. That has like never, ever, ever, ever happened before. We were used to government just taking money from us and doing nothing with it. Or at least we didn't know what they would do with it. So I think that's why, because we finally see, oh, okay, you know, we're getting something again also, right? For if you were vaccinated, you would get what? For everybody vaccinated, and again, there could be different discussions about vaccination. I get that, but if you are vaccinated, you would get forty dollars, around thirty, forty dollars that you could from the government that you could spend for books, only books or theaters or fitness centers. Three things. So it was, you know, it's something. Oh, okay, finally they're doing something for us. So then you want to give back? Gotcha. Mm. That's such an interesting wow. shift. It is and- right. Something I didn't expect. I did not know that the government was so pro-Russia. So you've spoken about this group of women that you have helped also to escape. Will you tell us a little bit about that story and these women and how you've helped them to get out and stay working and provide for themselves? Yeah, that's the weirdest story ever, I have to tell you. And like, seriously, be careful with your dreams and everything that you say out there to the universe. (laughs) Because here it comes. Uh, yeah, you know, number one, I was, I told my husband, I would love to live in Italy for a month. Ta-da! You know? Oh, wow. <laughs> that wasn't, that was the, that wasn't the reason why I would want to live in Italy, but here you go. You know, it's been a month now, but um, yeah. So with my girlfriends, again, I told my husband two months ago, I was like, I'm working all the time. I really don't have girlfriends. I don't have, you know, my girls to just go out and have a cocktail you know, I was frustrated with myself for not having girlfriends. So when I fled Ukraine, I was, I would start texting some of the women in my network. Okay. They were not necessarily girlfriends, but women, my former students, cause I also teach at the business school clients, you know, like that net business network. So I would text them like, where you are, what are you safe? That, that was a, you know, that's something that you do, right? When the war starts and they would answer something like I'm in Croatia, I'm in Bulgaria, I'm in Poland. I don't have a place to live. I, you know, out of groceries, out of, and I don't know about you, but what, would, wow. what, what do you do when your friend is, you know, staying in the hotel for two nights and then she's out of money, you would pay for her hotel, right? So that's what I did. So I did it with one woman, then there were more and more. And because I do international work, I would have friends, acquaintances internationally. So it was easy for me to say, you know, Mark, do you have somebody in Hungary? Do you have somebody in London? You know, so I started just connecting them to the people I knew. And yeah, so it all started with 10 girls, girls, and now it's 144. And I do wow. not have wow. any girlfriends anymore. I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> Was it all women that you were helping? Yeah, because the, see, the thing is that only women could leave unless your husband isn't Ukrainian. 
Um, Ukrainian men cannot leave the country now under the martial law. If you're 18 through 60, you cannot leave the country now. So all of those women, imagine leaving, leaving your country with your kids, going to completely strange country. You don't know the country, you don't know the language. Mm. And, you know, trying to start over your life with your husband being back in Ukraine. Now, is your husband wow. still in Ukraine or is your husband with you? No, my husband isn't Ukrainian. My husband isn't Ukrainian. That's why he's here in Europe. Wow. Oh, okay. Okay. So you wow. have found ways to help 144 women to either escape or have money for lodging or food or you've used your extensive network to provide for these women. Yeah, but I, I wouldn't tell you that I helped exactly 144 because then they started helping each other. So I yeah, I don't have the Excel sheet telling you, you know how many I helped personally and how many helped themselves. But now it's beautiful because they can help each other. When they have a question about, you know, documentation, paperwork in Poland or medical cards in, you know, Romania or how do you get from here to here? they would help each other now. So that's beautiful. And so you well. helped 144 and then those 144 helped others. Is that what you're saying? Uh, it's, it could be this way. It could be that, you know, I helped 144 have helped themselves. I can't, okay. I'm not tracking the whole thing. It's just so that, over a hundred, over a hundred. Yes, that's, that's true. And then yes, that's spread right out. I mean, so it's not only spread out the number of people you've helped, but how far you've been able to help them in these other countries surrounding the U Ukraine. That's incredible, Anastasia, that you've set up this network. And I I'm so empowered that it's the women doing it. The men are not even really involved. You women are taking care of each other and figuring this out. That is just, I'm just so wowed by that. Okay, so I, I'm curious now, the, the, when we first started this conversation, you and your friend were walking and she was pregnant. Was she able to have her baby safely? And is she still in Ukraine or is she, um, is she in another country? So she spent 10 days in the bomb shelter. And, um, and it's also, you know, you have to know something about Ukrainian people. They find joy in the most horrible situations and circumstances. So she was like so mm. extra pregnant <laughs> and she was in the bomb shelter every day. She would, she would send me pictures her happy face. And she'd be like, today I was able to have a half of the orange that a person shared with me. I'm so happy. And I was like, what? Oh, wow. And then she, yeah. And so, wow. so then she was able to finally flee. She was in Kiev, finally flee Kiev to Western part. She's in Western part. She gave birth to a beautiful little girl in the Western part of Ukraine. Good. Yeah. She's staying Good. there. Yeah. And, and, you know, she told me the gratitude was actually the only thing that helped her uh, go through this. Mm. So she would like, she said, she, yeah, she said she would, she would make herself like force herself to calm the things that yeah. um, she was grateful for. Yeah. That is just an uh, incredible story. And you, you say it like it's so normative because of what you're going through. And we're just like, 
can't imagine that kind of situation for a pregnant woman. But, you know, Mm -hmm. here's what we got to stop and realize through the centuries, women have done things like this. They've had babies, you know, during war. They've had babies during illness. They've had babies while they traveled. They've had babies in every, I mean, women are incredible the way we can continue to bring life into this world and endure doing some just terribly tough times. I mean, it's just, I'm just, you know, anyone who thinks we're weak, think again, think again. So, (laughs) Anastasia, if someone wants to leave the Ukraine right now and they're not a man between those ages, can they get out or is that a hard thing to do to get out? Um, You can. And now the lines at the borders are not so harsh as they were before, because in the beginning, uh, one of those ladies, she was in her car for five days on the borderline, like five days with her kids. So she slept in a car, ate in a car, five days. I cannot even imagine doing this. Like, seriously, I can't. Even myself, and especially with the kids. So, yeah, so now because of that, you know, huge wave, it has already calmed down. So now it's much easier to cross the border. It depends on where you would go. If you're going to Poland, that's harder. But if you're taking Romania or Moldova or what was it, Hungary, then this will be easier. The The only thing why they would cross to Poland, the only reason why, because Polish people are very warm to us. You know, they the, the moment you cross the border, you're just hugged and your kids get the, the, the toys. Polish people are just, I don't know, amazing, seriously amazing in how they help. Mm-hmm. Now, if you were to cross with Hungary, that does not happen there Mm-mm, at all. There is nobody to meet you. And so it's interesting how, you know, international community reveals themselves during these hard times. Hmm. Well, wow. how do you even decide where to go? Do you have to know yeah. someone in the other country or do you just head for the border and hope for the best? Yeah. Like what's the, what's the plan of action? <laughs> I wouldn't yeah, know what to do. Sh- if I needed to no, flee, no. The, flee the United States, I don't know if I would go north or south. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know what, I wouldn't know what to do. Yeah. And it is harsh for some people. Usually you would look for your relatives somewhere abroad. That's the first plan. Do you have any relatives abroad? Number two, you would look for friends like I did. But I didn't look for a friend. She would just called me all crying. She said, you have to come here and stay with us. So relatives, friends, then acquaintances, if, if you don't have any friends. And if that doesn't work, you just be like some of my girlfriends that be like, Anastasia, I need to leave, but I have no freaking idea where to. So that's the hardest. Mm. Because you kind of feel like, like today I helped one woman who had no idea where to go and she's going to Poland now. And, uh, I was, you know, able to find her an apartment, but I feel, resp- almost feel responsible for her. You know, I'm thinking, okay, so mm. she's going to Poland because I helped her, but what if she would have been better somewhere in France, Germany? I don't know where. Right. So yeah. So that's kind of <laughs> tricky. Well, And when you left, Mm. you thought you would go back in a few weeks. But as this Mm -hmm. has drug on, 
if Russia conquers your country, then what? Then you don't go back, right? Well, yeah, we would not go back for sure. Uh, the only thing is, I don't know what Russia is actually hoping for, even if they conquer Ukraine. There is no way people would just obey to this. There is no way. You know, the, the spirit of Ukraine is so brave. There is no way they would just mm. you know, obey to the new government. Mm, that's interesting. Now, when you, yeah, that is very interesting. I like how people are, the love for country is just really, really, really big. Um, when you were, when you were getting out, you know, you've helped all these women, but who was helping you? Who was, who was that person that was like helping you? Because you kind of had to get your mindset right, right? In the beginning of our conversation, you were like, I didn't even know that this was really going on. And so, you know, who helped you to kind of say, hey, girl, wake up. Like, you got to go. <laughs> yeah, well, my dad kicked me out. That's the first thing. <laughs> and, and, in a nice way, in a nice way. But he knows me. He knows that I will be just, if he let me stay there, I'd be just, you know, where's my... Where's my gun? I'll be like this. But yeah. <laughs> so oh, wow. He, uh, he made me leave. And no, but seriously, I was not effective. I was not efficient at all. I was shaking like a leaf all the time. My eyes were scared like this. I was frozen, couldn't eat. I, I, how, much, how much weight did I, lo did I lose? Like 15? pounds in 10 days it was just crazy seriously i, I still like i still wow. so yeah. from the day that you woke up <clears throat> to the bombing how long did you stay before you left mm. so it was february 24th through march 2nd i left on march 2nd which was my birthday that makes what a week so yeah. so so, uh, so yeah, to answer your question, you. yeah, yeah, to answer your question, Christina, it was my friend um, from from here, from Italy. She called me and she said, "No, don't even think about this. You guys have to come. You can live." And uh, but again, you don't have much time to think about that dec decision. You just okay, let's go. You take it and day so, by day. That's yeah. That's that's the way to survive. So you lived for about 10 days hearing the bombings, knowing the invasion was happening and being very scared before you decided to leave. So when you finally decided to go, what did you think you needed to take? Oh, you don't think about this at all. You just grab your suitcase and... Uh, like I don't, because I was on the business trip, I only had like all the official stuff, you know, like blazers and suits. <laughs> and no, you don't think about that. Seriously, you, you only think about your documents because everybody tells you, make sure you have all the documents with you. So that you think Did about. Did you have them else. with you since you were on yeah. a business trip? Yeah, well, I had You my did documents. have those because you would yeah. take those with you. Mm -hmm. yeah. So you didn't even leave from your home. You left directly from the business trip. Mm-hmm. So you didn't even have a chance to go back home and decide if there was anything important. You just had to leave with what you had. 
Um, Even Miguel, if I that's had... why the soup is still in the refrigerator. Yeah, well, that's exactly. the husband's yeah, fault. Yeah. He left the yeah, soup. Exactly. <laughs> well, no, but again, even if I did, like seriously, your mind, you don't, your mind doesn't understand what you're doing. Seriously. Your mind has never been in a war. I can relate to that. Know. I think yeah. in crisis, our mind gets funny because I know once, and it doesn't compare to war, but I know um, there was a time we got a call that our child was in a serious auto accident. And I remember he was being airlifted. And I remember standing in my closet at home and my mind would not work. Like I could not mm. think of what to put in the suitcase to leave because he was hours away. And so I, kn I, I know that feeling you're talking about. And I've even said to people, have an emergency list, have a list that if something happens and you have to leave your home quickly, that the list just tells you to what to put in the bag or have a bag packed. Because I did not know that in that time that the stress and the shock and the fear would prevent me from thinking clearly. So is that the way you felt? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And you know, about those lists, emergency lists, I do get why you would need to have them. And some of my friends actually had the emergency list. So when they, when, when they heard the wow. bombing, they okay. went through the whole list. Now me being, I'm an extremely positive person, like maybe even too much. So to me, having an emergency list is like, what are you, what are you visualizing Anastasia? What are you even, why are you even, do you understand that mind mindset? Yeah. Because yes, to me, I get what you're like, saying. Yes. Yeah. So like, why are you preparing yourself for that emergency situation? So I also think that it's something that I still have to figure in my mind. How do I, you know, stay positive? And visualize good things, but at the same time, <laughs> be prepared for an emergency. An emergency. So, mm. wow. So, at this point, do you see yourself going back? We all want to go back. That's we wake up in the morning and we check the news and we want to go back. Seriously, every one of those girlfriends want to go back. Wants to go back. Wow. And are their husbands still there? Like some of the, your girlfriends or are all your, yeah. all of their husbands? Okay. Because the majority and are of they husbands able to are contact in them? Yeah. They're calling them. Yes. Okay. I just, I wonder how that would be. I mean, that would just be so nerve wracking. For well, and first of all, you're worried about your husband back there who may be fighting, right. who may have to fight. That's right. why the men have right. to stay. And then you're in a foreign country alone or alone with your children. Do they even yeah. speak the language in these countries? Not always. Because imagine they're in Germany. Who, who like, who are in Germany where? Mm. Yeah. So, and, and the you know, Americans, Europe. we don't speak anything else. <laughs> Well, but the, we but would really it, be in it's trouble. It's the same. It's the same. We speak only English. If we do, we speak English. And here, Italians don't speak English. French people don't speak English. It was rare, you know, cases. Spanish people don't speak English. Polish people don't speak English. So even if you're English, you're like, okay, it's not helpful at all. Now, also back to your thing about leaving husbands out there. There's an interesting trend yeah. that is also happening, and I would not be truthful if I haven't mentioned it. Some of my married girlfriends have realized that they were in a wrong marriage. Oh, wow. 
Oh, wow. Because thank God. That's a crisis to make you kind of. I feel like you just dropped a bomb right here. Yeah. I'm telling you. Because think, you just, you're doing the same repetitious actions every day, right? Back at home. Like the same things every day. The same school, the same, you even go to the same restaurant with your husband, right? So it's all the same. Maybe you're not satisfied with little things, but you're like, okay, you know, but I'm used to this. Now, when they left, they're like, okay, why was I even there? So some of them are t- don't even want to go back to their husbands. So some of these oh, women wow. have found freedom from a life that wasn't good for them in their escape from the Ukraine. Is that what you're saying? I wouldn't necessarily use the word freedom, but I would say almost like waking up. Okay. Because mm-hmm. waking up wow. from, from something that you're just been used to because it shakes you. It shakes, you know, work has, work has shaken everything in you personally, inside, outside, everything yeah. is shaken. So when everything is shaken and, and is filtered, filtered, you finally have the time to think and evaluate and analyze, and you're not doing the same yeah. repetitious actions every day. That is so true. I you know what it makes you think that, about, that, yeah, what's is. really important, it, what you it, really want. Yes. 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 I, I, I think that people are just realigning, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, okay, a big thing happens, which is, is true for a lot of people when they have a major catastrophe in their life or chaos and something that they come out of, um, that shakes them to the court. They tend to look at their lives with a different lens. And that's what I hear you saying is that your friends are just kind of going, whoa, I'm looking at my life through a different lens because, you know, this is a big ordeal. You know, I had to flee my my country. I'm in another country. I don't have this person that I've always had. Now I can really evaluate. Um, and I I can see how that can happen. I just, wow. Like, not insult to injury, but kind of, right, Gail? Like, you know, sometimes you it, like, takes okay. things, it takes things to shake yeah. us up in life. And for some women, you know, it's when the children graduate or it's a job loss or a husband leaves or I guess it could be war. I mean, I've just never thought about mm-hmm. that as a never pivotal place that would cause a woman to rethink her situation. So you're basically saying some of these women may not go back. Is that correct? Yes. Wow. Wow. So are they telling you anything about what coming back might look like, or you can't even discuss that yet? Um, I think we're afraid to discuss it. And then we're also afraid to make Mm. any predictions about the future because even if you're trying to, it, they're all funny because nobody knows what's going to happen, right? We don't know if the war is going to, to end tomorrow or in a week or in a month or in a year. So we're just trying to focus on where we are right now and not think of what's going to happen next. Well, if you yeah. decided you could not go back, like there was not enough infrastructure, there's nothing left for you to go back to, 
what would you do? That's a good question. And I'll be happy to answer it in two months. (laughs) (laughs) That is a good way. I get you, Anastasia. And gosh, I appreciate your comedy and your candor. I'm telling you, it's the most scary question right now for us. And because really the answer is, I don't know. Okay. You don't, you really do not know. It's not like you're having a plan. You know what impresses me about you, Anastasia? This is what impresses me about you. Even though you don't know where you're going to be living next week or what's happening with your country or any of that, you still continue as a businesswoman to work, right? You're still doing your work. Well, you mm-hmm. don't have a choice because work helps you to, you know, to, to survive, to get concentrated on something. If, if I'd had, and, and to me, it's, well, at least to me, work has always been a safe place. And I know that if I hadn't been working mm-hmm. and helping the girlfriends, I'll be like in bed crying all the time. So I would, you know, that holds me up. Wow. Well, I love that you just said that you, you got into some, something else. You started to serve in order to feel better. And isn't that what, what does that for us is like when we get into serving others, we can't focus so much on ourselves and our situation or just super other focused. And I, I love that. And I think that it does help with the coping. And anything know? that's normative, any, any sense of normalcy. Yeah, absolutely. But I just going to tell you, Anastasia, at times of crisis, sometimes I have trouble doing work or going on like everything's normal. So I just really admire your strength I admire your fortitude. I admire your willingness yeah. and desire to help your country and help your sisters out. And uh, I'm just so struck by you and what you're going through. And I really hope that we can keep in touch with you and follow your story and that we can update our listeners on what happens with you. And I know our listeners can't yes. see you, but y'all, she is beautiful. You have the most striking dark hair and beautiful porcelain skin. Beautiful skin. I, I mean, know. I saw just her skin, beautiful. Gail, and I was like, <laughs> just gorgeous skin. She's escaped Thank a war guys. and she it's looks better than so we do supportive. today. Uh, well, because it's too early for we, you. That's why. <laughs> it's for We look here. like that's we. Why I time to wake up. <laughs> okay. Yeah, we look like we're in a war torn country because it's very early for Christina and myself. And Anastasia's the one that's looking great. She's dressed, she has yeah. her own business clothes. And you said you're you have a call with Mexico next, right? Yes, I'm doing a speech for business owners in Mexico online, which is, I've never done that for Mexico. I've done everywhere, but not for Mexico. So it's, I'm humbled, seriously, I'm humbled for all those uh, opportunities to share the story. Well, right Mm -hmm. there, as an escapee of the war, you are touching people all over the world. And that's just incredible, Anastasia. And we we think about war-torn countries, and I think... We separate ourselves a lot of times because that's not our story here. Like we as Americans do not, for the most part, especially my generation, we know nothing of living with that kind of fear um, and living in a country like America. We're so isolated from other countries, whereas Europeans, you move freely in and out of countries all the time. Um and I just love that you're so connected in so many places and so international mm-hmm. and that you as a woman are doing the darn thing in business. You're a 
you're a successful businesswoman and even a war does not stop you, Anastasia. That is incredible. Thank you, Gail. Thank you. I just, you know, do your thing no matter what. That's That's been my motto for several years. Do your thing no mm. matter what. Well, anything else you would want the rest of the world, especially the women who listen to our podcast, to know? Um, maybe not to know, but... Uh, I would, you know, I've realized that when you lose everything, the only thing that really stays is your network. So I would love to really encourage people to build those networks. Uh, however, not from the perspective of an entrepreneur or, as a, or a businesswoman, you know, building a network for the success of your business. Not, with, not just with that goal, but rather building your network for the sake of the people. Like you like the person connect with them, right? And don't have that hidden agenda. Because really, really, the, the, your network is the only thing that will catch you and bounce you back once you don't have anything else. That I have realized a very bad way. <laughs> but thanks God I had that network that was able to not help just me, but all those girlfriends were helped only because I had those connections, right? It wasn't me. I didn't go and pay you know, I love huge amounts of money for hotels. Yeah. I love so, that yeah, because please, that's something we talk about here. <laughs> Y'all midlife mock seat. Yeah. We talk about having friends and having more friends and having community. And I feel like we have a community with midlife moxie and Anastasia, if you're oh. ever in the States, we want to meet you. Yes. You're incredible. I'm so excited to have a friend across, across the um, globe. And we want to keep in touch with you. So we thank you for, for sure. your time today. We thank you for sharing your heart. I know you're telling the story over and over. And I think that just, again, shows how powerful you are. You reached out and said, I want to tell the story of what's going on here. And I, I, you could have just shut down. You could have be hiding in a closet somewhere. But you're doing everything you can Sometimes to help I yourself, do, your so. family and help <laughs> others. No, <laughs> so that's okay. We all do. Yeah, that's okay. Yeah. yeah. Well, Christina, <laughs> anything you're honest. Well, we just admire you, Anastasia, and you are just you. a beautiful example of a strong woman. And you, you've inspired us today because I have no excuse mm -hmm. not to get about doing my things. Mm -hmm. And True. we've got to remember to do yeah. them when the opportunity's there. So yes. gosh, I know you have to get on another um, speech to Mexico. So again, we thank you for your time. Prayer for you and your safe return to your yeah. home. Yes. yes. Thank you so much. Thank you, Gail. Thank you, Christina. You're so welcome. Thank you. All right. And Christina, what do we always say? Go and get your moxie on. 